News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. And not a moment too soon, about five minutes after five o'clock, welcome to the show once again. Employment Hour, John Scholes here, Lior standing by, of course. Phone lines already open. We are all over the sucker like a cougar on a crippled chicken. We are ready for your calls. If you ever had questions about your job, your severance, your boss, Bring it on over the next hour. We would love to talk to you. 613-521-TALK is the number. Email anytime, help at employmenthour.com. Let's get this going. We will talk about the uh, the topic throughout the hour. That is, if you want to preserve your workplace rights, don't ever do these things. We'll get to that list and break them down. And the severance pay calculator as well. Your phone calls, as I just mentioned. But first, the, uh, the week that was, pal, how are you? Hey, John. Hey. A cougar and a crippled chicken. I don't know if I've That's heard that it. one before. A hobo and a ham sandwich, yeah, all the same thing. That one I've heard you use before, but uh, <laughs> I, right. I think this one uh, this one is even better. So well done, John, well done. Uh, glad to be back here and glad to be uh, uh, taking another swing at solving as many problems as we can and solving uh, workplace issues that anyone may have. So if you're worried about your situation, maybe things are not going well in the workplace, well, hey, we can hopefully make it better so that Monday when you go in, you have a, a plan of action. So call us right now. I've been emailing with people all week. In fact, just uh, while we were waiting for the show to start during the news, I was still sending a couple emails to uh, to people that uh, have been asking me some questions. So don't hesitate. Call us right now. We're live till uh, 6 o'clock to answer those questions. Or, of course, you want to reach out to me by phone or email, we'll give you that information as well. But don't hesitate. Let's, uh, let's keep me busy. Let's keep me hopping today with as many questions as possible. But week there was a couple situations uh, that came across my desk uh, very recently. I spoke with uh, a gentleman. He's an older gentleman and worked with one of the uh, the big banks uh, right here in in, in Ottawa. And uh, he had, uh, for the past uh, two years or so, been working exclusively from home. Uh, he is uh, uh, you know, older, had some medical issues, and uh, you know he he deals with certain customers and clients, and he's able to do everything through phone and email. Uh, if he needs to meet with them, he'll meet with them. But beyond that, he's able to do all his, all his work from home. So his employer, the bank, was very good at accommodating him. No issues, no problems. Been successful, made a good income, uh, just as it should be. Well, very recently, uh, a couple months ago, his supervisor left the bank and was replaced by another supervisor. Well, this supervisor didn't understand why the bank had to accommodate this person. Mm-hmm. Well, why are we allowing this? That can't be right. He should be here like everyone else. Uh, he started putting pressure on this uh, on this gentleman to, to come into work. And he said, well, I can't. And then, you know, here's a doctor's note that confirms that. Well, no, you can't do this work from uh, from home. You have to be in the office. You have to be in the office. Uh, well, when this person didn't come in the office, again, physically he couldn't, uh, he got a letter from the bank saying, well, we consider you to have resigned, so we wish you all the best, and uh, that's it. Well, here's your last pay. Off you go. And he called me, and he wanted to know, <laughs> did I resign? Did I just leave my career with the bank of 25 years like that? Uh-huh. Well, here's the thing, John. Of course, of course, that is not a resignation. It's not even close to being a resignation. And the reason for that is the bank has a duty to accommodate. And it's actually quite common to get accommodation based on the, or, or, or that requires the company to allow you to work from home. It's a very, very common type of accommodation. If you have a medical condition that prevents you from coming into work, one type of accommodation that may be available to you is the ability to work from home. Now, hmm. this bank, this employer can't say, oh gosh, it's too difficult for us to allow him to work from home because he's been doing it for two years right. and he's never had a problem. 
So usually when a company doesn't want to accommodate, they'll say, no, no, it's just too difficult. It's too tough. My gosh, we can't do it that way. Well, this bank can't do that. They can't say that. Uh, They've been allowing it for two years. Everything has been fine. It's simply this new manager wanting to change things around. So not only is this a termination instead of a resignation, so he's owed severance, 25 years, he's going to be owed two years of pay. This This is also a human rights violation. The bank refusing to accommodate, refusing to follow his doctor's advice and recommendations. It's illegal. So the message here and the lesson is very, very simple and it's very clear. If you have a physical limitation, you have the right for that to be accommodated. As long as you have something from a doctor that backs it up and outlines what the requirements are, your employer has to do everything possible to accommodate. And if they don't, they'll find themselves with a human rights violation and a wrongful dismissal. It's illegal. So now you know. Again, you have questions about this or any other, this sparks uh, some interest. 613-521-TALK is the number to call in for the duration of this show this afternoon. What else you got going on? I spoke with a lady that uh, had been working uh, at a same employer, same, same retailer uh, for uh, for a few years now. Uh, she started off uh, as a casual employee, and she had worked for the first couple of years um just several hours a week, and then she'd uh, have different hours the following week, and some weeks she had no hours, so she was completely casual, no problem. She worked when they called her into work. Well, after a couple of years of doing this, uh, she started getting regular hours, and she'd work for a few more years regular hours. Now, they still called her casual, but she worked pretty much 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, uh, week in, week out, nothing had changed. Uh, okay. Very recently, though, her employer says, well, now we need uh, to make some changes. So you're going back to working irregular hours. Since you're a casual employee anyway, you're going to work a few hours here, a few hours there. So she called me very upset because she'd counted on this income. She'd had it for a few years. And she wanted to know, is this legal? Am I really casual? No, she is not casual. Now, initially she was. She was working casually. She was working when she was called in. She, some, some weeks yes, some weeks no. Right. But things changed. She became a regular employee. The fact that she maintained the title of casual means nothing. It's always substance over form. She was a regular employee, so her employer is not allowed to go back. Now, her employer never had to give her regular hours to begin with, but once it did, that became the new reality. That became the terms of her employment, and they can't take it back. They can't, they can't go back to the way things were a few years ago. So she's, in fact, been constructively dismissed by changing the uh, terms of employment by reducing her hours, by making her a casual employee, they've effectively terminated her employment. They owe her her full severance. So the lesson here, of course, very clear. Your employer cannot change the terms of your employment, even if all they're doing is changing them to, to the way they used to be. Once your employer gives you better terms of employment, they can't claw it back. They can't undo it. If they undo it or try to, That is a constructive dismissal. You have a right to leave with your full severance. It doesn't matter what title you have. And by the way, casual, part-time, none of that matters. You know, if you're an employee and you're let go or you're constructively dismissed, you're out severance, John. What would have been the fallout had she not called you and just gone with the flow, so to speak? Well, what would have happened is that she would have started getting irregular, you know, quote-unquote casual hours. And after doing that for a few weeks, that would have become the new reality for her. Then she would be stuck in that new reality, and then she can't say constructive dismissal. And if they let her go at that point, 
then she's getting severance based on the, these casual hours, which is going to be a fraction of what she's owed. So she would have lost a lot of money potentially uh, if, in fact, she would have continued working as a casual employee. So she has no interest in doing that. And we're going to pursue this as a constructive dismissal and definitely get her her full severance. Awesome. Give me some details on the uh, severance pay calculator before we uh, take a break here. That's right. Severancepaycalculator.com. God, I, I still, uh, I'm, I'm amazed that over half a million have used it, but I'm still amazed that there's so many people that haven't yet. Yeah. So if you are interested in knowing how much you are owed if you lose your job, severancepaycalculator.com, the place to go to. Why? Because it's easy to use, take seconds, it's anonymous, it's free. Uh, there's no strings attached with it. You don't have to put in your name or the company's name. You simply answer three questions about your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and you are done. That's all it takes. Whether you're staring at that severance letter right now and you're trying to make some sense of it, maybe you're worried because there's a meeting coming up next week with HR and you think that's when they're going to drop the axe, or maybe you're, you're curious. You just want to know what would happen because things happen severancepaycalculator.com it's a lot more than you realize it's not a week per year or two weeks per year uh, so check it out and it's uh, and, and you have the ability if you want to contact me directly from the calculator you want to preserve your workplace rights don't ever do this we will go through this list and enlighten you in the meantime you have time to call in and get your questions answered right here with Lior 613-521-TALK is the number lines are open and ready for you email as well we'll try to get to some of those as the hour rolls on that is help at employmenthour.com it is the Employment Hour, and it's right here on News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. And we are back indeed. It is 520. Still lots of time for you to call in, ask your questions about your job, your severance, your boss, your workplace in general, 613-521-TALK would be the number. Help at employmenthour.com. In the meantime, we're talking about this. If you want to preserve your workplace rights, don't ever do this. I know you get these questions all the time at the firm, right, Lior? Well, actually, a very common question that I get is, you know, here's my situation, Lior. What should I do? Right. Well, oftentimes, actually, the, the real question that I should be asked is, what shouldn't I do? What are the things that you should not do? Because there are certain things that if you do them, you will be giving up your legal rights, maybe without realizing it. But you'll be giving up those rights, making them go away, and compromising your situation. So what we want to talk about is things that you definitely never want to do in the workplace. These are situations that you may face yourself and, and you're going to be wondering, do I do this or do I do that? Well, we're going to tell you what not to do. We're going to tell you what, uh, why and we're going to tell you what to do instead. So this is a very, very important topic. There's a lot of important things to learn from it. Uh, and if you follow the advice we're going to give you, you're going to always preserve your legal rights. We're going to attack that list uh, right now. Number one, don't sign employment agreements without knowing exactly what you're signing. Well, John, when, when you get a new job offer, uh, it's usually a very happy time. You get a new offer, uh, you're going to start a new job, you're excited, and, and you're going to look at a few things usually. Okay, the salaries is what I had asked for. Oh, they gave me my first, uh, my, my four weeks vacation that I wanted. Uh, yep. Great, I can't wait to sign. Uh, this is perfect. Uh, I'm going to sign off on this offer letter right now and start working. Well, not so fast, because even though your salary may be right and the number of weeks vacation may be right. There could be many other things in there that are not right. Things that if you don't uh, know about them and you sign off anyway, could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So 
For example, there could be a term in the employment agreement that limits your future severance. And that alone could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. It could be at some point the difference between getting 18 months pay and getting eight weeks pay. So right there you can do some math uh, in terms of what that means. There could be terms in the employment agreement that allow the company to change your job, to change your compensation, to lay you off temporarily, and to allow to, to prevent you from working in the industry for years if you ever leave. So there could be many terms in the contract that could be hugely problematic, and I say more important than whether your salary is 65000 or 62000 So because of that, you have to be very careful. You have to read that document very carefully, understand what it says. If there's something that's not clear, that's a problem. You can't just sign off. You have to ask the right question, either of your employer or I'm happy to help and uh, simplify it for you and tell you what it means and, and what, you should, uh, uh, what, should, what you should be aware of. Now, remember, these things can be negotiated. I'm not just telling you you should know what you're signing. I'm saying once you know what you're signing, once you know what the problems are, you can negotiate those things. I'm happy to talk to you about that as well. An employment agreement is a very important document. Many people sign it without paying attention to it, without knowing exactly what they're agreeing to. And at some point down the road, they realize the mistake that they've made. So please, please do not let that happen to you. I, I bet you one on that list of things that you got to watch out for is, uh, you know, if you've been induced or recruited from a job for 30 years and, you know, in a little bit of writing there, somewhere in the middle of that contract, it says will not uh, recognize previous or previous service. That could kill you as well, right? It, it's a huge deal because if you're recruited from a previous job, the law says your employer should actually recognize your service, at least for a while, if they ever let you go. So you may have something that prevents that, but it, it could get worse than that. You can have something that puts you on probation. Why would you leave a secure oh. job to be put on probation? It makes no sense. And it's something that limits your future severance. So forget about recognizing your uh, length of service uh, for severance purposes. We're going to give you even less severance than, than, than we should be. So, no, it's a very important thing, and you're absolutely right. If you're leaving a secure job, absolutely, that employment agreement is even that much more important. And last piece of advice, if you're able to start a job on a handshake or something on the back of a napkin, do it. Trust me, you want to do that. Don't, Bob, if you want to preserve your workplace rights, rather don't ever do this. Number two on our list is don't, uh, quote-unquote, take one for the team at your expense. What I mean by taking one for the team is, you know, one, sometimes you may want to be that, that good soldier because your employer maybe asks you to do something. I need you to take this pay cut for me because business is tough and I need you to, uh, or I need you to uh, agree to this relocation or, you know, to, t- to take this other role for a while. The problem with that, the problem with taking one for the team is you are doing it at your expense and by doing it at your expense, you're giving the company the right to do it again. So you may think, I'm just being this good soldier this one time. This one time I'm going to take this 10% pay cut. No, no, it's not so fast. Just because you took it that one time, you've now given the company the right to do it again and again. And next time, they may not even have to ask you. Next time, and it may, it may not even be limited to 10%. Now it could be 30% or 65% right. or what have you. Huge problem. So we're, we've always been taught to be uh, to, to cooperate, to, to uh, not to think just of ourselves, but this is the exception. This is a situation where you want to think of number one. You want to think of yourself here because no one else will. And the law is going to say, well, if you didn't think of yourself, if you didn't stand up for your rights and you took one for the team, that's on you. So because of that, uh, you have to be very, very careful with that. If something happens, don't take one for the team. Make it clear that you know you want to help, but it's too risky for you. And if your employer decides to impose a change uh, anyway, 
pay cut, demotion, you should treat that as a constructive yeah. dismissal and leave with your severance. Questions about this or any other topic this afternoon? Skyla has to have uh, plenty of time to call in. 613-521-TALK is the number you can call now and get those questions answered. As we sit here and talk about uh, the ways to preserve your rights, things you don't ever want to do, the next one is don't accept, and oh, we love this one, temporary layoff or other big changes to the terms of your employment. Yeah, we, we talked about taking one for the team, but probably a, a yeah. big one that you want to be careful of is a temporary layoff. A temporary layoff generally is something an employer is not allowed to do. We've said this before on the show in the sense that if you've been laid off temporarily, that's a termination. You have a right to treat that as a termination say, I'm out of here. You are going to pay me my severance employer. But if you decide to accept that layoff and you wait at home and they call you back, you've given the company, again, the right to do it again. Mm -hmm. And what a terrible thing to do that is. Because now you go back to work after a few months, you come back, now they lay you off again for a few months. You come back, they lay you off again for a few months. Not a good way to work. It's essentially, you don't have a job. And at that point, you can't do anything about it. You only have one kick at that particular can. Okay, If you've been laid off that first time, you can see, no, I'm not accepting that. That's a termination. That's it. I'm out of here. Second time, you can't do that. So you don't want to accept that temporary layoff. Same thing applies to other big changes to the terms of employment. But gosh, uh, temporary layoff is probably the biggest one that I can think of. Do not accept it. Definitely a surefire way to lose your legal rights. I guess some jobs out there, it's assumed you have a, uh, you know, I guess a temporary layoff if it's seasonal, right? Yeah. So some jobs, it's, it's implied it's seasonal. You maybe you're in landscaping, uh, you know, lawn maintenance, uh, installing pools, a roofer. So those types of jobs are seasonal by nature. So it's assumed that you're not going to work, let's say, during the winter months, and that's right. fine. So you can be laid off temporarily. But even in those jobs, I want to make it clear, John. So if every year you're laid off and then you get called back, if one year you don't get called back. You're mm -hmm. expected to get called back, let's say, in um, April, and they don't call you back. That is a termination at that point. You can treat that as a termination. They have to call you back. If they don't, they've terminated your employment. But in some jobs, seasonal jobs, a layoff is allowed because it's implied given the nature of the job. 613-521-TALK, the number to call in, ask some questions. We're talking about ways to preserve your rights and things you don't ever want to do. Uh, don't forget about your employer when you're off on a medical leave. I know it's, it's simple to do because you're trying to get better and it can slip your mind, but you don't want to do that, right? You can stay on a medical leave for as long as you need to uh, when, you, when you're sick, as long as a doctor backs you up. So absolutely very important to remember that. But don't forget about your employer. Your employer may not know what's going on. Are you are you going to plan to come back to work? Are you trying to get better? Or maybe you've moved on to another job. They don't know. So every once in a while, you want to make sure that your employer becomes aware of what's happening. Send them a quick note saying, just so you know, I'm still getting treatment, still hoping to come back to work. You don't have to do this every day, every week. Maybe once a month, even every, once every couple months, if you're going to be a, away for a long time, that is fine. Don't forget about your employer. Don't make them assume that you've left the job, that you've abandoned the job. Stay in touch with them. Quick note is all you need. Uh, if they have any questions, you can answer them. But please don't forget about your employer when you're on a medical leave. Every couple of weeks, every couple of months, what's the timeline? Or it depends how bad you are. Or... Well, it depends how long you're going. If it's going to be a lengthy absence, yeah. I, I think if you can get into the groove of once every two months, that is a, a very nice thing to do it. Uh, it. You, don't, you don't need to exaggerate, and you don't need to provide a doctor's note every time. A short email, one or two lines, does the trick perfectly. Quick break, the number 613-521-TALK. We'll take your calls after a short break and get back into more of our list and some emails as well. It is the Employment Hour right here, News Talk 580 CFRA.
Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. We are back indeed. 613-521-TALK is the number to call in, ask your questions. We'll go back to our list as well. If you want to preserve your workplace rights, don't ever do these things. That is on the way. Possibly some emails as well as uh, we get to take those rather help at employmenthour.com. First, I want to get to uh, to Peter on the phone line. Thanks for hanging on there, Peter. How uh, how are you this afternoon? I'm well, thank you. Yourselves? Great. What's, uh, what's your question? Um, I have a question for Leo regarding sure. my uh, work situation. Recently... Um uh, first of all, uh, I work for a company, and uh, my job is to service printing equipment, and I do that during the day as well as I make myself available after hours. Um, now, um, the customer that was paying for that after-hour service uh, has basically gone away to another vendor, and that's left me uh, without that um, income for being available, which was around $10,000 a year plus any overtime for service calls that might have been generated, uh, another 10000 let's say, is, and that's kind of all gone away right now. And I'm just wondering if that's um, something I just have to accept or, um, you know, bring to my... I made it... I uh, brought it to my uh, boss's attention, but he says there's not much you can do. Now, Peter, uh, this this customer that, that left and, and the money that you were making from... Uh, work with this customer, is, is that something you've had throughout your entire uh, employment with this yes, company, or is that something that came in part way? Since 2010, and um, yeah, since about 2010. And before that, what happened? Uh, before that, I was with another company uh, servicing the same customer uh, with another product, and when this customer went to this newer equipment, uh, I was asked if I wanted to jump ship and I made the decision at the time to do that, and I was very content with my, uh, you know, employment conditions and the money I was making, and that's been since 2010. I've been working, you know, with this newer company. Now the company, uh, now the customer has gone to another vendor, which is basically, uh, you know, left uh, left me in the lurch. Okay, now now it's clear. So because of that, this is actually quite simple. It was obviously a, an essential and important term of employment that you do this extra work. Essentially, that's why you were brought in because this com- this customer came in. You you had the ability to service them. You had worked with them before, so and, and it was obviously ten thousand dollars is going to be a lot of money. So you losing that now, even though I understand it's not necessarily something your employer did on purpose to you, mm-hmm. is still a change of to the terms of employment. It's still a constructive dismissal. So. If you can't work this out with your employer in the sense that for them to find something else uh, to, to compensate you for the loss that you've incurred, you you have two options. You can continue working and, and leave it be and you know you obviously you're making less money or you can treat that as a termination. You can treat that as a constructive dismissal and leave with severance. Now, you've been there for nine years. You told me about your job. Uh, how old are you right now? I'm 59, will be 60 in another month. So you you could be looking at you know anywhere from ten to twelve months of pay, okay? I mean a substantial amount here that that you'd be owed in a constructive dismissal situation. So those those are your options. You can accept it, uh, or you can treat that as a termination. Now, when did this happen? When did this change happen? Um, so I was informed uh, that the um, the after hours ended in February, and I had a discussion with my uh, my boss, and he said there may be something he can do in April, which is where we get our uh, annual increments, and I didn't get any more than you know, basically what I always get. 
Um, so there was no accommodation for this new situation, even though he thought he might be able to do it. And when I spoke to him about it last week, uh, he just said, um, you know, it wasn't in the cards. Wasn't so it's my... fair to say that uh, between February and now, you were still hoping that this would be fixed. You'll be, they'll be able to make it yeah, up to you somehow. Yeah, I, I did speak to my boss, and he said he would see what he could do. And I gave him the opportunity to do that, you know, when it came to uh, incremental race time, which is April, which is yeah. now. And um, two weeks ago, uh, when I found out that he hadn't done anything, I spoke to him about it, and he said, you know, sorry, couldn't do it. Okay. So that's good, because usually I would be saying, if this happened in, in February, here we are in April, it may be too late to do something about it. But it was absolutely reasonable for you if your boss is saying, hey, I'm going to try to to make this right, for you to give them that opportunity, and, and it's only when you find out that it's not going to happen that you treat that as a constructive dismissal. So I, I absolutely feel comfortable in saying that, yes, you're in a position to treat this as a constructive dismissal, so that that's what you can do here. But here's something else to keep in mind. This is not something, this decision, that you can sit on for very long. Mm-hmm. Within the next few days, you have to make that decision, because if you wait longer, you're going to be considered to have accepted this new reality, and then you can't do anything about it. Then you're stuck, and, and you're going to have to continue working. can't treat that as a constructive dismissal. So right. I'm going to tell you that at some point over the next few days, this coming week, you have to make that decision. And if you want to treat that as a constructive dismissal, you need to call me. We need to speak. We need to get into some details here. I want to find out more about the company and, and your role and your total compensation. But that is, that is uh, what your options are, Peter. Okay, great. Um, so even if I've gone over my conditions of employment and there's no mention of this extra uh, pay, but I, but I can't show a record from my T4 slips for the, you know, for the last 10 years that there has been this extra income that uh, I will, uh, so that I don't need it to be there in writing. Absolutely not. No. If, if, if it actually happened, and obviously your employer is not going to deny that you were doing this work, it, it's not an issue. No. So in terms of proving, this is as simple as it gets. Okay. And um, so I only have those two choices. I can either quit and accept the severance or or go on. Like, I'm not sure if I'm prepared to quit is what I'm saying. So. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, you can still see if you can work this out through your employer, but it sounds like you've done a good job in, in trying to do that, and, and it's gotten nowhere, unfortunately. So those are the options. Uh, but but here's the and there's another problem here you want to consider. You say, okay, I'm going to be, as I was saying before on the show, the good soldier, and I'm going to accept this reality here and to help out my employer. And let's say three months later, they let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Nothing to do with you restructuring, cost-cutting, whatever it is. Now they have to pay you severance. But the severance that they have to pay you is calculated based on the income you're making at that time, which is $10,000 less. So right now, if you pursue this as a constructive dismissal, your severance is going to be calculated on what your total income has been, you know, let's say an average over the past two, three years. If they let you go after, you know, two months from now, six months from now, whatever, hmm. then not only uh, are you out of a job, but you're going, to get, you're going to get less severance. So you want to be careful with that. I understand you're not wanting to quit, but from a legal standpoint, those are the only things that you can do. You can continue working, or you can say, no, this is a constructive dismissal, and uh, and pay me my severance. Okay, well, thank you very much. And are you in Ottawa yourself, or do I speak to somebody else? Or Well, I, I split my time between Toronto and Ottawa, but we have an office with three lawyers uh, in Ottawa, right downtown. So if you call me, either myself or one of my colleagues would be more than happy to talk to you. All right, well, thank you very much. 
Thanks, Peter. Appreciate the phone call and enjoy the rest of your weekend. That number, one 855 Again, one 855 Help at employmenthour.com. That is just how simple it is. Feel free to call in uh, for you as well, 613-521-TALK here for the remainder of this hour. I know we had someone, they, they wrote in actually, and our producer was telling us this, and the question basically was, you know, if I apply for a job and find out I didn't get the job because the employer hired a family member, you know, nepotism at its finest, it, do I have any recourse? Can they do that? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, they can. Uh, obviously, yeah. it's it's not a nice thing to do, and, and no. it's not professional, perhaps. But legally speaking, they can. Now, they can't decide to hire someone else because of your age or your ethnicity or your gender or the fact that you're going to have uh, children. That would be illegal. That would be a human rights violation. But if they say simply, hey, my cousin Bob needs a job, so I'm going to hire Bob instead of hiring this other person. Again, maybe not professional, but legally they can do that. There's no law that prevents that. There's no law against nepotism, actually, believe it or not. Uh, it, it's just something that an employer is can can do because mm-hmm. an employer is generally prevented from doing something as long as uh, sorry only if it's discriminatory and in this case it would not be discrimination. We'll uh, take a short break in that regard. Get back to our list of uh, if you want to preserve your workplace rights, don't ever do these things. That and some emails and your phone calls as well. You still got uh, still got plenty of time. Six one three five two one talk. It's the employment hour on News Talk five eighty CFRA. Now back to the Employment Hour with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru. Yeah, we still got some time here. The phone line's still open. It's 613-521-TALK to call in and ask your questions like Peter did uh, moments ago. So uh, so there you go. In the meantime, we're talking about uh, ways to uh, preserve your workplace rights, things you do not want to do. And the next one on the list, Lior, is don't quit unless it's completely voluntary. Right? Very important. And and. It should go without saying because quitting is something that you should only do, as you said, voluntary or if it's something you're doing unilaterally. You should never quit because someone told you that you have to or because someone threatened you into quitting or put you in a position where you felt you had no choice. There's always a choice and the choice is, no, I'm not quitting. You don't want to quit in a situation where someone forces you because that can prevent you potentially from getting severance. Even in a situation when when you quit because someone made you, you should be getting severance because you didn't want to quit, but why even go there? Why have to prove that they made you quit? It's very simple. If someone tells you, you you have to quit, you have no choice, your answer should be, sure I do, I'm not quitting. If they want to let you go, let them go, let you go, because then you get your severance. A very easy way to potentially lose your severance rights is to quit when you don't want to quit, is to quit because someone told you or made you. And of course, if you did do that, please remember this. If you, despite what I just said, if you quit when you shouldn't have, you quit because you didn't want to, but someone made you, as soon as that happens, I want you to get on the phone and call me. Not the next day, not a week later, the same day if possible. We need to talk about it. We need to figure out how to deal with the company because at that point, it's about getting you severance. So very important to deal with that properly, but the easiest, best way to preserve your rights is don't quit unless you want to. one 821 5900 by the way, to get a hold of Lior when the show's not on, and uh, help at employmenthour.com. Something else you want to do to preserve your workplace rights, don't ever take your employee's word for it, whatever it happens to be, right? Exactly. It's your job to determine what your legal rights are. It's not your employer's job to tell you. It's not your employer's job to educate you. 
You have to educate yourself with respect to your legal rights. Now, oftentimes, your employer may not tell you things that you need to know about your legal rights, either because they don't want you to know, or your employer itself may not know. So whether you're owed overtime, for example, you're not going to ask your employer, hey, am I owed overtime? No. Hmm. You have to determine, is overtime owed? And if it is, you have to go to your employer and say, employer, you owe me overtime. Same thing with uh, vacation pay, statutory holiday pay. Definitely the same thing with respect to severance. You don't have to. You cannot take your employer's word for it. Oh yeah, employee, don't worry. We we've offered you the severance that's that's owed to you. Nonsense. Your job is to determine what is that proper severance. You can use the severancepaycalculator.com website. You can call me, figure out what it is. You cannot take your employer's word for you. That's a surefire way to give up on rights that you otherwise have. Don't let that happen. Uh, you have to take care of things yourself. No one's word uh, is going to be a, a replacement of that. How about this one? Not accepting unfair discipline or inaccurate performance reviews, right? Don't don't lay down. No, it, you definitely don't want to do that. You don't want to give up your rights by accepting unfair discipline, by accepting unfair performance reviews. If you got prop, a discipline that's not proper, a performance review that's not proper, say so. Don't just accept it. Don't be silent about it. Silence is the same as saying, I agree. So respond to it, saying, here's why I don't agree with it. Here's what you actually need to know. Here's what actually happened. By doing that, you're going to make it much more difficult for the company to rely on that if they ever want to let you go. You're going to make it easier to either keep your job or to at least get you your full severance. Uh, Definitely a way to give up those rights is not to do anything about a bad performance review. And later on, when the company relies on it, you can't say, oh, no, no, that was silly, that was wrong, because you didn't say anything at the time. So if you got a bad performance review, say something in writing. Don't be aggressive. Don't be uh, over the top. Be very professional and to the point. If you're not sure how to do that, call me. But you always have to respond to bad performance reviews uh, or, or, or discipline. If you don't, you give up your rights. And the last thing on this list we'll talk about as far as preserving your workplace rights, don't ever do this. This is the reason why we started the show. Do not sign off on a severance package just on your own. Don't do it. No. And and I speak personally with you know anywhere from 5 to 10 people every single week, every single week, John, that contact me because they hear this show, they see me on TV talking about severance, and they want my help. I just realized, Leora, that I'm owed much more, but I've already signed off on that severance package because I didn't know. I didn't know about you. I didn't know about my rights before. Can you help me? No. The answer is I cannot, unfortunately, help you in that situation because when you sign off on that severance offer, one of the things you sign off on is on your rights. You sign off by saying, I am not going to pursue this. I'm agreeing that you've given me everything that that I'm owed, and you could, in fact, be owed another $50,000. So when it comes to severance, do not sign. Not before you get advice. Not before you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Don't worry about that deadline. Every severance package has a deadline. Oh, you have to sign this by Friday. Nonsense. Who cares? Your legal rights don't expire Friday. They have You have two years to pursue your rights. So please remember, you give up your rights if you sign off on that package. And even a day later, it's going to be too late to do something about it. And the difference between what you've been offered and what you're owed could be tens of thousands of dollars. A couple minutes left here. We'll slide in an email as promised. Uh, Phil, you're up. Says, uh, Phil says, I was hired because the employer that held the position before me went on disability. After two years, this other employee is coming back to work, and my employer is telling me that uh, my only choice is to relocate uh, one and a half hours away. What do I do? Well, it's a big deal, of course, to relocate that far. But no, that's not uh, Phil's only option. 
even though there's a legitimate reason why the employer doesn't have a job for him because someone's coming back from a disability leave, it doesn't mean that the employer can just relocate Phil. By relocating, that is a change to the terms of employment. That is a constructive dismissal. So Phil can say, no, I'm not accepting that. And by doing this, by, by telling me that that's my only option and not allowing me to stay where I'm at, you've terminated my employment. You owe me my severance. The employer may think, no, no, Phil just quit. It's a resignation. It's not a resignation. Anytime you're going to be commuting an extra hour and a half each way, gosh, that is a clear, obvious constructive dismissal. So, Phil, that's your option. I want you to give me a call as soon as possible. We can talk about how to pursue the severance and how much severance you're owed. No, they're not allowed to do that. We'll take it from there. If you want to uh, get a hold of Lior, as we are ready to wrap for this particular show, it is simple to reach out. The uh, phone number, one 821 5900 Email, another option, help at employmenthour.com. And always, always consult severancepaycalculator.com as well before you make any move, even before the phone call. At least check it out. If only for interest's sake, have a look at it as well, severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, the Employment Hour on News Talk 580 CFRA. 